right, happy Good Friday, everyone. Hey, all right, why don't we stand up and we'll worship our King together. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, Weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on it.
I was buried beneath my shame Who can carry that kind of weight It was my turn Till I I was breathing but not alive All my failures I tried to hide It was my turn Till I met Then you called
seated. Father, we're here because of your holiness, and we're here specifically this evening because of your wisdom and the wisdom of the cross. That which we can say is foolishness to those who are perishing. This message of a great leader who rises to prominence in his generation is beloved by crowds, adored by many, and then gives himself over to die. It's a crazy story if we didn't know how it ended. And it's a crazy story if we didn't believe in the events of two days from now that we'll celebrate on Easter Sunday. But Father, we enter into your presence today glorying in the cross. We enter into worship as a family today, taking great pleasure in knowing that our leader, our God, our Savior, died. And he died for us so that we may be brought into his family. And so, Father, we call you Father because of the cross. We gather today because of the cross. We have hope in this life because of the cross. We sing because of the cross. We read your word because of the cross. We pray because of the cross. So, Father, may that be foremost in our mind this evening. As we, we, we enter into worship on, on a day that we don't typically do it. Father, as we enter in on this, on this Friday evening, may we focus. Give us great clarity of mind and clarity of heart so that we can worship and celebrate the cross this evening. Remove distractions from us as we gather together. And Father, as we look over the course of this weekend, and as we see that all around us um, there are different festivities and celebrations going on, and Easter is a celebration of the empty tomb first, but in our culture, in our society, there's so much distraction that comes with it. And so many that have an awareness of Easter without a relationship with the one who rose from the dead on Easter. Father, we pray that you would move. We pray that you would, by your Spirit, move in our community this Easter weekend, that more and more people would come to see the truth of what this weekend is really all about. That we gather today in full knowledge that Jesus really did die. And then we gather again on Sunday morning in full knowledge that Jesus really did rise again. May it be more than a good story in our church context. May it be more than a good story in our community. Father, enliven hearts and minds to respond to the beauty of this story and the truth of the gospel. And so God, as we reflect on the cross, meet with us, speak to us, and use your word in our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'll go ahead and, and tell you, if you haven't grabbed one on the way in, there, is, um, there are these cups which is the, um, the juice and the bread, as we will celebrate the Lord's Supper at the end of our service here today. And so um, I'll give you a chance later on to go and get one, but they're on the counter. Thank you for joining us um, here on a Friday night, on Good Friday. Uh, I will remind you that on Easter Sunday, 
we will not be here. We will not be in this room. We will not be on this property at all. You'll have two chances to join us on Easter Sunday. One will be 715 at Grace Presbyterian Church around the corner for our sunrise service with three different churches working together. I am told that if, if it rains, um, just watch your email. We, we may make some changes um, at the last minute there, but um, it will rain at some point tomorrow. I'm certain of it. And so the field may be a little bit wet and we may have some seating in the parking lot. We may be in the field, but bring, bring a fold, bring like a bag chair. Just if you're planning on coming, it's going to sit better in wet grass than a folding chair would uh, or one of the like metal folding chairs. So bring one of those if you plan on coming and uh, we're going to pray against the rain on Sunday morning um, for multiple reasons, but we'd love to have you join us there. Uh, secondly, 1030 Walnut Hill Farm. Uh, I sent out an email to our distribution list today with just some instructions on driving into the property, where to park in the property, that sort of thing. We'll have a handful of guys out there to help direct traffic, but we really want you there. Um, and if it is raining on Sunday morning, we still want you there. And, and we have umbrellas and we have, you know, it's a fully covered room. We'll be able to keep, keep you dry and um, get, get cars parked in the field, even if it's a little wet. That, that's all good. So we, we just want you to come and we want you to invite whoever so that we can celebrate and worship together on Easter Sunday. So turn with me. We're going to go to Luke chapter 23. We're going to keep walking through Luke, and we're going to do it a little bit different this uh, evening, because we're here today because of the cross. We're here today doing this, this crazy thing in the eyes of the world, because uh, we are a people that, that if we call ourselves Christians, it means that the core truth of who we are is we celebrate this man that died. And in fact, we call ourselves little versions of him. And the symbol we use, that we celebrate, that we glory in, is the torture device on which our leader died. It's, it's insane, if not for Sunday. It's a crazy story, and it's something that we should never lose the awe of all that we do. Because it really is strange when you think about it. That, that this incredible movement of God, where God has moved to transform society after society. Literally all of human history started with a man who then died after raising up this great group of people to adore him and follow him. He died, but because he rose again and because he was the son of God, we still follow him and we celebrate. We celebrate this ancient torture device known as a cross. This heinous, violent instrument used by the Roman Empire to not just kill people, but torture and shame, embarrass and scourge. It was an incredible practice what the Romans did with this cross. It was gruesome, it was violent, it was ugly. And yet, we now, 2,000 years later, we we wear it around our necks. We put it on our t-shirts. We put it on our church logos. We put it on our buildings, and we celebrate it. Why? Because that, that instrument of death, torture, and destruction became an instrument of life for us. Tonight, I want to just talk about two guys that happen to have the same name. I believe it had to be significant for them to be given the same name. Um, but one appears in Luke 23, which is, if you've joined us on Sunday mornings, that's, that's where we've been. 
So I'll give you one verse from Luke 23 this morning. Jesus, I'll give you the context, Jesus had just been, um, had just gone through the various trials with, with Herod and Pontius Pilate, and eventually they delivered him over to be killed, and to be killed via the cross. They had instead released this criminal named Barabbas, and they had released him to the people while taking Jesus up to the place called the Skull to be killed. In verse 26 of Luke 23, and as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid him on or laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. So that I just want to spend some time talking about Simon of Cyrene. Because it's an interesting story. It's a significant story, because though it's it's very, very brief, it appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three of the four Gospels, give us this story of this man named Simon of Cyrene, who we have never heard from before in the Bible, and we never hear from again. And we don't know much about him, but we know enough to know that this story somehow became incredibly significant. All the Gospel writers knew about this man. And so who was he? Well, I'll start by saying Cyrene is, is today Libya. It's North Africa. And Simon was obviously traveling in. There was a good number of Jews in that area. And in Cyrene, there was a synagogue that's actually mentioned once in Acts chapter 6, um, as, as it mentions that Jews from the synagogue in Cyrene had come to Jerusalem for the Passover. That's why Simon was there. And then again in Acts chapter 16, we learn that there was a Christian preacher from Cyrene, and um, his name was Lucius, and he knew Paul and Barnabas in Antioch. And so we know that there were Jews in Cyrene, there were Christians in Cyrene just a few years after this, and we know that God was doing something through these men that lived in Cyrene, and Simon was one of them. But, but why? Why did Simon get called in? Apparently, as Jesus is carrying his cross down the road from the place where he had um, been sentenced, essentially, by Pilate, and then he was taking the cross out of the city, up a hill to what's called the place of the skull, where he would hang on the cross and die. As he was carrying this heavy, heavy torture device, Simon, this man, was just an innocent bystander. In fact, all three gospel accounts basically tell it the same way. This guy was just there, an innocent bystander um, who wasn't known by Jesus, wasn't necessarily known by the soldiers. It just sounds like he's a guy on the street in Jerusalem, wrong place at the wrong time, and the Roman soldiers say, hey, you there, help him carry this cross. And why would they do that? Because the purpose of the cross was to embarrass. The purpose of the cross was to be a demonstration to everybody, you do not want to be like this guy. People were supposed to die on the cross, not before the cross. Because if somebody died on the cross, you could make a public spectacle of it. And that was the Roman plan for Jesus, a public spectacle so that he could be mocked, so that they could say, look at him, the king of the Jews, while all the while proclaiming there's really Caesar is running the show here, and there's many gods, and there's no king of the Jews. And that spectacle could not have happened had Jesus died under the weight of the cross on the road through Jerusalem. But they could see he had already been whipped. He had already been beaten. We know that he was sweating drops of blood before anyone beat him or whipped him. Why? Because the weight of the world was literally on his shoulders. 
And he was starting to feel what it would be to have the wrath of God poured out on him. And when, when the scripture, when Isaiah says it was the will of the Lord to crush him, that, that God was literally going to crush Jesus and pour out the punishment for sin on Jesus, Jesus was feeling it before he ever hung on the cross. So carrying the cross down the street was, was laborious, was hard and difficult. So this man Simon was pulled out, and Simon literally took up the cross and followed Jesus. And that language now, we know that language in our faith. And that's why today we're not just talking about one Simon, but we're going to talk about another Simon. Because Simon Peter was told to take up the cross and follow Jesus. But, but the contrast and the comparison between Simon of Cyrene and Simon Peter in those, couple of, those 48 hours leading up to the death of Jesus is extreme. When you think of the revelation that Simon Peter had received, all that he had been told versus what Simon of Cyrene had experienced, seen, and been told before he became an uh, innocent bystander. So the question is, what do we need to learn from Simon? Uh, first, I think Simon is an example for us. He's an image of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Simon of Cyrene literally did it. And you know what's cool about him? He was the first one to do it. That Jesus looked at his disciples and he told his disciples, take up your cross and follow me. And you know what? They, they sacrificed incredible things. They, they gave up their families. They gave up their livelihoods. They, they slept um, out in the, in the wilderness with him. They, they journeyed and sacrificed their lives for him. And yet, the first one to physically take up a cross and follow Jesus was a guy from Africa named Simon of Cyrene, who was just in Jerusalem because of the Passover. And Jesus created this symbol, and he created this symbol of what it meant to follow him. And it was a symbol at what appeared to be his most helpless moment. It was a symbol that he, in which he demonstrated what appeared to be weakness. In which Jesus was suffering, Jesus said, you take up your cross and follow me. And it's a lesson for us. If we do not have an occasion to be humbled... By our obedience to Jesus, we question how much we are actually obeying Jesus. Because to live a life of obedience to Jesus means humility. It means sometimes we look foolish. It means sometimes we're sacrificing a great deal. It means sometimes we are living in pain and living in, in great trauma or through persecution on behalf of Jesus. So in one sense, you have Simon is there because he's a great example of what it means to take up the cross and follow Jesus. In another sense, Simon, I don't think Simon's story ends here. And lots of people have done the study on who Simon is and could we trace anything about Simon after the fact. Um, all three Gospels that record him make it clear that Simon was likely not known to any of the disciples before this happened. And yet Mark, Mark knows his son's names. So by the time Mark writes the Gospel, of Mark, he knows that Simon of Cyrene has two sons, Alexander and Rufus. How did Mark know those? He must have come to know Simon after the writing of the gospel. And how would he have gotten to know Simon if Simon hadn't actually been a follower of Jesus himself? Uh, there's, a, there's a massive study on this that, that, that's interesting, but as you look at the way the gospels go from there and the, what the New Testament says, uh, Mark's gospel lists Simon's sons, Rufus 
and Alexander. And Mark's gospel was written first to the church in Rome for the Roman Christians in Rome to have a sense and an autobiography of who Jesus was. And then the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Rome greets a guy named Rufus, who is also a teacher of the church, befriended by Paul, and known to the apostles in Jerusalem. And so from that you, you, you just connect the dots and you see that it's very likely that Simon had played an important part in the New Testament story, not just on that day as he followed the cross or as he carried the cross of Jesus, but as his son continued the ministry in the church at Rome. Uh, Simon's family may well have been a part of the pillars of the early church at Rome. But what about Simon Peter? I want to take you to Matthew 16 to talk about both Simons. Simon of Cyrene took up the cross and followed Jesus because he was forced to. Not because Jesus asked him to, but because the soldiers told him to. But that experience led Simon of Cyrene to this incredible experience of being the first person to literally take up a cross and follow Jesus. But what about Simon Peter? Matthew 16, 13. Jesus came into the city of Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And some said, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus looks at his disciples. Okay, that's great what other people say. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And do you know what happens next? Jesus looks at Simon and says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Father who is in heaven. And then he says, Peter, or Simon, you are now Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not withstand it. And, and then Jesus started to talk about, immediately after, Peter got this confession right. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, blessed are you. And, and based on this confession that you made, I'm going to build my church and nothing can stop my church. Not even the gates of hell can stop my church. Then Jesus immediately transitions from victory over the gates of hell to talking about suffering. And do you know what happens when Jesus talks about suffering? Peter says, no, no, no. Right there in the same passage in Matthew 16, 21 through 23. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Jesus, you shall never suffer. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. And then comes this call from Jesus. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Simon of Cyrene took up the cross. Simon of Peter got the theology right, knew exactly who Jesus was. And yet, when knowing who Jesus was, was convinced Jesus would not need to suffer. No, Jesus, far be it from, no, you will not need to suffer. 
We'll be with you, Jesus. You won't suffer. We'll protect you. We'll stand up for you. We know that the night that Jesus got arrested, Peter was the one that drew the sword quickly. Peter was willing to fight. He was ready to fight. And Jesus, both on the day he said, Jesus, you won't suffer, and on the day that Peter took up the sword, both times Jesus rebuked Peter. To know Peter. That's not the plan. That's not what we're doing here. And from looking at these two Simons, I see a couple things here. As Simon of Cyrene is carrying the cross of Jesus, Simon Peter is watching. And Simon of Cyrene has taken up the cross, and Simon Peter is in that crowd that's watching and lamenting the fact that he was called to take up a cross, and on that night, he denied Jesus. And as one Simon carries the cross of Jesus, the other Simon remembers the day he told Jesus he should not suffer. And as one Simon carries the cross of Jesus, the other Simon remembers that Jesus had told him, Simon, you're the one to take up the cross. And in this great victory over the greatest enemy, Satan, death, and the grave, we recognize that one of Jesus' closest followers is experiencing this, this personal defeat where he feels like he's failed. And it's so interesting to me that there's another Simon that has taken his place, walking beside Jesus, helping Jesus up that hill, helping Jesus carry the cross. And so what can we see from this? The first reason that we're here today, and the reason that we'll receive this cup in a moment, Jesus takes up his cross so that we don't have to take up the cross of punishment and of condemnation. First and foremost, that's what the cross is all about. It's not about Simon taking up the cross. It's not about us taking up the cross or what Simon Peter did and didn't do. It's about Jesus willingly did it so that we might have life, so that his blood would wash away our sin and his body we would enter into because of what he has done. But we also see that Jesus takes up his cross so that we can take up the cross of obedience. We do not take up the cross of condemnation We do not take up the cross that receives punishment, but we take up the cross of obedience because we know that obedience is hard. And obedience to a suffering Savior requires some suffering along the way. But it's a joy-filled suffering because the suffering Savior that took up the cross first has overcome it for us so that we can have new life. Simon of Cyrene was the first in line to take up a cross for Jesus' sake. And we we can be next in line. But we also remember that Simon Peter, he couldn't carry a heavy yoke. He couldn't carry a heavy burden in that point. And Jesus came for him too. Because the same Jesus who told Simon Peter, take up the cross and follow me, also said to Peter and the others, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I don't mean to say that Simon of Cyrene was useful while Simon of Peter was some sort of failure. Simon Peter was an incredible pillar of the church, and his obedience was legendary among the early believers. And people wrote about him and spoke about him, about the way that he suffered. Legend says that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't see himself as being worthy to die as his Lord had died. Peter's obedience was exceptional. But in that moment that Jesus was going to the cross, 
Peter couldn't carry a heavy burden. Jesus had to carry the heavy burden up the, up the hill. And that's why Jesus died, so that Jesus could offer to Peter a burden that was light and a yoke that was easy and rest for weary souls. So yeah, Jesus takes up the cross of condemnation so we don't have to. Jesus then calls us to take up the cross of obedience. But recognize that obedience to Jesus requires some suffering, requires some hardship, but in the end, Jesus himself calls it a light burden and an easy yoke. I want you to take the cup. And this is our, our emblem of the, of the yoke that we receive, of the cross that we carry. And we're going to do it a little bit differently this evening, okay? Because we are going to sing our last song and worship after, after we've received the Lord's Supper. So if you don't have a cup now, uh, Tim's got some out there, but take the cup, the juice and the bread, and we will do this together. And parents, here's, here's how this works. Parents and visitors, this is a family meal for those that have been that have entered into the family of Jesus by his shed blood. And so this is a meal for believers. So we want you parents to discern whether or not your children participate. If you are an unbeliever in the room, this is something that you need to have full confidence in Christ before you participate in. But if you're a visitor and you're just not part of this church, we're, we're, we're happy for you to do this with us. This is this family meal whereby we celebrate union with Jesus. Because... The night before, Jesus was carrying the cross up the hill. On Thursday night, last night, let's say, Jesus gathered in a room with his followers, and he took the bread. He took the unleavened bread of the Passover Seder meal, the, the meal that told the story of the Exodus, how God delivered his people out of Egypt and moved them into the promised land for his glory and by his own miraculous power, he set captives free. And then he told them to tell the story, tell the story through a meal. And Jesus, in remembering that meal, remembering how Jesus, how God had delivered a people out of slavery and into the promised land, he said, actually, the story's even bigger than that. Because today I'm going to tell you that the story of the Passover and the story of the Exodus is about Jesus dying on the cross, suffering, and raising up to newness of life to not remove slaves from one nation to another, from one land to another, but to deliver people from a kingdom of darkness and transfer into a kingdom of light. For, to deliver slaves of sin into sonship of God the Father. And so when Jesus held up the bread and said, this is my body that is broken for you, he asked his disciples to eat it in remembrance of him, and he invited them to become a part of his body and to become a part of the family of God. So as we take it and eat today, that is what we remember. We have been invited in to become a part of the body of Jesus and the family of God. We do this in remembrance of him. And then we take the cup. Again, just as Jesus did that Thursday night. In a way that Peter didn't understand. You want to talk about Simon Peter. After Jesus had, had instituted the Lord's Supper, Jesus, or Peter denied after that. 
But after that, they still didn't understand what he meant when he held up the cup, the cup that was emblematic of the blood of the lamb that had gone over the doorposts of the house in the Exodus. It was a story that the Jews knew well. And Jesus was telling the story differently to say it's not just about what happened then, it's what, about what's going to happen over the next couple of days. And Jesus said, this is my blood, and this is my blood of a new covenant. A new covenant. And on that night, he said, a new command I give you, that you love one another. And so this is the blood to receive a new covenant where we are called to love God and to love others. The blood that says we have had our sins washed away and we receive newness of life in him. And so if you have had your sins forgiven by Jesus, and we do this in remembrance of him and in full celebration of who we now are in Christ. Amen. I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to stand and we're going to worship again. Father, we praise you. Because what an amazing night it is to celebrate. To celebrate that we need not take up the cross of condemnation and yet we are called to take up a cross of obedience. To celebrate that what we could not do in faithfulness and in obedience, Jesus did on our behalf. By living a life of full righteousness and full purity, he took the place of sinners so that sinners could take the place of him. He took our sins on us so that we could take his righteousness. Or he took our sins on him so that we could take his righteousness on us. Father, we praise you. And God, as we stand and sing, may this just be a beginning of an incredible weekend of celebration. Because Jesus, we celebrate you every weekend. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Every day is a day to proclaim you and celebrate the cross and our salvation. But Spirit, be with us this weekend. Make it a unique weekend where we can see you at work, where we can see the pleasure you have in your sons and daughters that you dearly love. And Father, show us. Show us how to live for your kingdom today. In the name of the risen Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of
cross, I will ever be true. It's shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me one day to the home far away where his glory forever I'll share. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. We'll see you on Sunday.